Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome back to the Man of Host Weekend Review Show. I'm your host, Ali, and joining me tonight is just one person. We have just Mr. Dave Black. It's the tag team reunited that everybody needs. Dave, how are we? That's it. Okay, quick and road dog are back again. Yes, I'm fine. Thank you, mate. How are you? Very well, very well. I see a tag team title match coming, coming along. <laughs> yeah. Well, now we've, now we've ditched just incredible Simon Rodriguez, and I mean... He's, uh, he can't handle, well, A, drinking at his age and B, having a successful football team. Yeah. Which, the two things go hand in hand, unfortunately. <laughs> two weeks in a row for the, for the man, and um, yeah, he's really struggling tonight. So, an uh, early night. Get well soon, Simon. Um, I mean, on the plus side, Villa have got to be away next week. <laughs> Surely. And this run can't continue, let's be honest. It's the last in Villa in the end. Well, you never know, do you? But yeah, hopefully, be back next week. And, and does this mean I get a walk over in the quiz, or how does that work? Yeah, so we'll we'll address last week's controversy as well, where I messed up. But now the fact that Simon didn't show up for tonight's meet, you also get a guaranteed three 0 win and uh, an automatic win from last week. So <laughs> for Simon, now. He might not be worth him coming back. <laughs> yeah, so. we just forget to do a super six as well, and we're laughing. <laughs> oh, could we get to do it for him? Whatever we pick for his results, he must go by and sign in. <laughs> that might be a bit, bit, a bit cool, but yeah. So no, no quiz this week, Dave. So your um, your brain can be turned off, really, and we'll just we'll dull it down and go straight to the the first game of the weekend, which was yourself, uh, a Friday night game under the lights at home against Leeds United. Tell me about it. Yeah, talk about dumbing it down. That was this was. Uh, are you familiar with the term two bald men fighting over a comb? Yes, yes. Oh, goodness me! I mean, it was entertaining, but not for the right reasons. Like there was so little quality on show. There was, like how we'd only finish one-one. I've just got no idea. Like Leeds should really have put us to bed. Um, they had some guilt-edged chances which they didn't take. Um, we we looked like a team of ten championship players and Alan Sad Maxman, and it, that's pretty much an accurate description of what we are, to be honest. We are Callum Wilson in particular. We're, we're so poor, really. Um, I, I, I started the season thinking, you know, we should be safe quite easily, but week by week as it goes on, I just worry massively about well everything. We're, we're just not good in any particular department. So uh, I'm not massively delighted with how things are going, um, as you'd expect with no wins in the first five games. Um, Leeds, though, I mean. Ross and I talked about this when, when when you were away, but he's quite confident they'll be fine. I'm I'm really not so sure they will be if they if they if they carry on like this. They they, they look like the, the sort of bog standard second season syndrome team who were brilliant last season and just sort of struggling to hit the heights. Now I don't think they're going to do a Sheffield United or anything like that for one minute, but 
I don't think they're going to get anywhere near where they did last season, and uh, they just look a little bit off it at the minute. Now, obviously, that can change very quickly with a, with a win, but uh, I think any team who doesn't beat us must currently be thinking, well, we aren't doing something right. Um, the boy Bamford missed a great chance to win it as well. Um, didn't really have any conviction in his finish, so um, he hasn't had the nicest few weeks since getting his England call-up, so that's got to be a concern as well, but um, two fairly average teams, if you've been polite. Um, fairly sure they'll finish above us, but I don't think either can be particularly happy with how they're playing at the moment. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for Leeds, as you say, from last season, I mean, that's five games with no wins. In those games last season, they, they might have took a few hammer-ins, but they would have won a couple as well. You know, they were that 50-50 team, whereas the the 50-50 this season seems to be draws. Um, so that is that is a concern, and, and it's not. I don't know. I I said against against Liverpool, they were very lacklustre. You know, there was no like that whole Bielsa method that we we kind of come accustomed to the the pressure, the the how do you how would you say it? almost like just that you know the high press and they didn't have any of that. And they mm. defend. That's not a good. It's not a good mix, you know. At least when they were like really high pressing, they were causing teams to be like they lost their shape and they lost their way. So you, they almost implemented the Leeds way, and that's when the games became at least entertaining and exciting. And against, as I say, against us, I didn't. I didn't see the game against yourselves. I just the only thing I've heard from it is how how good Sid Maximum was really. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel like there's just no spark to Leeds at all, and. Unless that comes back, because they can't defend, they won't win games. Yeah, I mean, even even the goal they scored here, I don't think it was a shot. I think it was a, I think it was a cross that was obviously kind of a bit of a cross shot, really. But um, you know, they did well to, to make a goal out of it. Um, Rafinha is so so important to them. Um, he's they're not quite as relied on just him as we are with that maximum, but all their good work goes through him. Um, down the other side, Dan James didn't look up to much. Um, which probably wouldn't be surprised to many, but you know, maybe he'll, maybe he'll go into it. But he didn't look anywhere near as threatening as Rafinha. Um, I thought Rodrigo had a decent game for him, which again Ross hates Rodrigo, but um, I thought he was decent. Not maybe not brilliant, but certainly decent. Um, and I said Bamford looked fantastic last season, um, but just didn't for some reason on Friday and then the other games I've seen so far. Um, hopefully for his sake it's just a dip in form um, which I guess might come after sort of getting the England call up and not really taking his chance against uh, was it Andorra who we played um, you know it didn't really shine uh, as he might have done um, so that's just playing it, it, as you say with Leeds they have to be added 100% to be as, as effective as they can be um, and if they're not with the way they defend it's obviously susceptible they were missing two two more centre backs. Um, although to be honest, I don't think Allen and, and Cooper are particularly bad centre backs. Maybe not the best in the Premier League, but they weren't exactly you know unproven kids in there. That they've played a fair number of games there now at club level. So maybe not a total disaster, but um, they must be slightly concerned to have what three draws and, and two losses. Um, and as you say, they've conceded 12. Um, 
in, in those games now obviously you know going to Man United on the opening day and, and shipping five and then playing Liverpool and shipping three that's pretty tough for five games um, but it's still got to be a worrying return for them so far that's it. It's just that the no wins in five, I think, especially. You know, I think Leeds have kind of now accustomed to accepting the goals, but to not even have like, snuck a win in there um, has to be a major concern. Um, I mean, on Newcastle, they've, I mean, we've spoke about the manager definitely plenty, so we'll, we'll leave that there. I've seen you've had a couple of Twitter conversations, shall we say, over the weekend. Um, yeah, I mean, that's... As a Man United journalist, well, I, I like Tom oh, uh, McDermott. I mean, he, he's a Man United supporter, but he's obviously very pro Bruce. Because if I guess it's the equivalent for me, if, if you know, if Alan Shearer was managing another club, I yeah. would be, I'd be backing, you know, him. Um, I guess it's the equivalent because Bruce was, you know, Man United's captain during the nineties, so I can understand him, you know, being on his side. But I just get a bit on a bonnet when people tell, or people, or other fans tell, you know. Our fans how to how to feel about someone who they have to suffer week in week out, um, and you know nine times out of ten they don't know the full story. They don't have to you know read every press quote like we do as fans. So you know I can't help myself sometimes. But um, what you would say is that Leeds have now got a reasonable run of games. Newcastle have got Watford away next weekend, which looks like a bit of a six pointer already. Um, and then we've got Wolves away after that, which well, obviously we'll come on to Wolves very soon, but. They look absolutely god awful. <laughs> yeah. Um, the big games coming up there. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, how long is Callum Wilson? Oh, obviously he's the keeper who was missing really today. Yeah, they think it'd be it'd be lucky if we get him before the international break, which means he'll miss those two away games, and then we've got another obviously break for the internationals, and we come back with Spurs at home. I think it is so. I think that's probably a more realistic game to come back and it's, it's a thigh injury and it's just one of those where like every time you kick a ball it probably makes it worse so um, unfortunately it sounds like he got it in the Southampton game played on for an hour and it was, wow. it was, and was worse for it so whether that's him or, or the management you can blame for that uh, let's, not get, let's, let's not get into it because he didn't <laughs> score uh, later in that game so yeah it's good to see that's a conversation we best um, keep just now Um We'll come on to Saturday's games then, um, and we started off with the Wolves Brentford game. So let's just go straight there. So um, you said, well, I said, sorry, on last week's podcast that Wolves had been very unlucky in their opening fixtures. They had looked good, you know, they were playing some attacking football. They're almost like the Brighton of last season, creating loads of chances. Um, apologies for the dog there, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean. They, in this game, they they really were awful. I mean, Brentford kind of made this look. It was almost like the opening game of the season against Arsenal for them. This was very easy for Brentford, wasn't it? Yeah, they were fantastic. Um, and as good as they were, you know, Wolves were played in their, into their hands basically. Um, they kept trying to play off in the back, which is you know not unusual. But Brentford just pressed them to death, and Wolves couldn't get anything going. Um, Brentford kept overturning possession, and then you know pretty much overturned it within Wolves' final third. Um, they were unlucky that it was only 2 nil at half-time. You know, Tony had two disallowed, you know, totally fairly. The other one was kind of a... It was handball, but it's a, one was, it's a bit harsh. Um, it, I never really felt like Wolves were going to get back into it. I know like Triori hit the, the post of the bars with, with an effort. Um, him and had a half-chance later on, but he... 
he doesn't look anywhere near as sharp as he did. Now, obviously, he's been out for a long time, so maybe we should be surprised by that. But um, he just, you know, he missed a chance, which I just don't think he'd ever miss um, previously. I know he discarded the headwear afterwards and sort of blamed that. Um, but I think <laughs> that headwear might be important. I, I don't know. I'm assuming he's wearing it for a reason. So I don't know how easy it is to say, I'm just not, not going to wear that anymore. So um, they've got issues. Even you know defensively, they've usually under Nuno were fairly sound, but they look a bit of a shambles here. Um, I wouldn't say I'm worried for them because they've got enough to you know not be involved in a, in a scrap. But um, considering until they played Watford last week, they hadn't scored a goal. Um, they, they didn't really make enough chances against a newly promoted Brentford that made me think, well, everything's going to be all right. If anything, I'm more worried about them now than I was after those opening three games. Yeah, because at least in the opening three games, as we say, the, the chances were there. Um, it's just, yeah, as you say, they've given up the defensive side, certainly. For, they have tried to be more open, and obviously in the games that I've seen them, this one obviously just Brentford smothered them from start to finish. And so it just, I mean, without slagging wheels off anymore um, or criticising them, like Brentford were like exceptional in this game. Just, they were almost like. It's um, I mean it's not really a fair comparison, but almost like the way Leeds were last season, you know, with the, the smothering them right from the front. But they seem a lot more defensively sound. Than Leeds yeah, yeah, all- yeah, that's fair. I mean, they've got the three centre backs in there, which I think makes all the difference. But a bit of a throwback as well, having you know the two centre forwards and both of them, Tony, Tony in particular, but also Embuemo, who's you know plays his part in that as well. They're, they're a good pair up there. Um, Brentford's next four is like Liverpool, West Ham, Chelsea and Leicester. Um, that's going to be an interesting test to see how you know how good they actually are. Maybe it was, you know, how poor Wolves were, but I'm fascinated to see how they get on with the style they play against teams who will dominate possession. Um, and as you mentioned, Leeds, they, you know, Leeds don't change their style regardless of who they play against. It'd be interesting to see if Brentford do or don't. Um, you know, Welcome uh, Liverpool to the stadium next Saturday. Will be very interesting indeed. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we'll come on to Liverpool in a little bit, and Liverpool are looking quite good. Um, I mean, with Chelsea, you, you almost know what you're going to get. You know, you're going to get the, again the same system um, that just is so effective for them. So, uh, yeah, as you say, the next the next couple of weeks for Brentford that, will that take you up till after the international break? Those four games. Uh, that that'll. Yeah, I'll surpass in nationals. So there's there's two two games to go before the nationals. So that'll be Liverpool and West Ham, and then when they come back, they'll have Chelsea. Yeah. So I mean, out the four games, and what was the other one you sent Chelsea Spurs? Was it uh, Leicester's uh, the next one? <laughs> Obviously, we'll come on Leicester much later on today, but yeah, they, they aren't exactly hitting the height at the minute. So. See, so if they can take four four to six points out of those four games. That's any more than that would be a bonus for me. I'd imagine, you know, if you, I mean, not that they, they sh- not that they should be looking to beat West Ham and Leicester, but at least they're on form. It's more realistic than beating Liverpool and Chelsea at the moment. Um, and if you could take a point even from some of the other one, I think Brentford could be looking, you know, fairly comfortable for. Obviously, they're not, I don't think they're going to hit any great heights, but um, push them a long way to to stay up at least. Yeah, I mean, from what the evidence we've seen in those opening five games, I don't think Brentford will be anywhere near the bottom three, um, which I never thought I'd be saying. I thought they'd 
be guaranteed to be sort of in and around that, that bottom three all season, but they look far too assured. They, they don't look under any pressure whatsoever. Yeah, I think that's the, the word assured is probably the best way to describe them. There's, they're just, they just seem such a solid team, you know, very, very, very well organised defensively. We're still having the the pressure up front, you know, with, as you say, with the two forwards, the three centre backs. Um, again, as you say, we'll, we'll two, two, obviously, two of the top teams coming up, so we'll see if they, they can alter slightly and be as effective, but you, you just don't, you don't fear them to take many hidings. Um, and that could be a bonus, especially confidence wise. No, exactly. And, um, I think on, on Wolves, I mean, they, they made a change at half time to go back, go back four. Um, and they brought on Huang, who, who looks handy to be fair. He looks, you know, he made a bit of a difference in, in helping create some things, but uh, they don't really have the midfield to play like a 4 4 2. Like, you know, we've talked before, Neves and Martino are brilliant ball players, but they don't really have the legs to, yeah. to get around the pitch in a 4 4 2. So um, they're going to have to try and figure that out. But generally, I say this is the first time I've, I've looked at Wolves and thought, actually, you look really, really poor. Um, it's a bit of a throwback to the sort of end of Nuno's days when they'd kind of given up a little bit. Um, they just never got going, and Brent Brentford punished them massively. Yeah. Um, next up then, Dave, is um, your favourite team and uh, the show's favourite team to laugh at. Um, we had Burnley and Arsenal. Um, <laughs> a team... And, and, uh, this is a game I genuinely expected. I know I always say Burnley will win, but I genuinely expected Burnley to do well here just because, one, how bad Arsenal are and how soft they can be. Um, and obviously Burnley like to pull out those results sometimes. Um, but a, a Martin Odegaard free kick, quite a nice free kick actually, over like 19 Burnley players. With <laughs> a 1-0 win for them. Yeah, I think if you're scoring a free kick against Burnley and getting it over the wall, you know you've got it over a big wall as well. <laughs> It was, it was a poor game. Well, that doesn't surprise me, to be honest. But, um, I think this is the type of result that, if anything, should make people more worried about Burnley um, staying up. I yeah. mean, obviously, I'm not worried about them staying up because it's Burnley, but um, <laughs> they were playing against an Arsenal team who were, have, have been fairly soft-centred, to say the least. And that's normally the type of game, as you say, where, where Burnley would, would, you know, really take the ball by the horns and just, you know, bombard them with set pieces and throw-ins and whatever else they've got to, to, to make chances. And although they got up ahead of steam a few times, um, Arsenal were relatively comfortable. Um, there was the penalty incident, which I think they got right. I thought yeah. Ramsdale did, I thought Ramsdale did well. Um, and again, I didn't expect to be saying that, but Ramsdale, yeah, looks you know looks reasonable. Um, Ben White less so. He obviously gave a very poor back pass in that one to make the chance. But it looks like having Thomas Party back in front of that back four made a huge difference as well. Um, it's a good game for him to come in do because he's essentially you know you're going to be facing a lot of long balls. Um, and basically doubling up on you know Wood or Barnes or whoever it is was up there. So good game for him to come in do. Did well. We haven't really seen the best from since he came to the Premier League, but. Hopefully this will be the start for, for him and Arsenal's sake. Arsenal got the North London derby next, which is obviously a huge game. Um, always, but when Tottenham are in a, I haven't heard a mess because they've had some results so far, but they're, they're not firing on all cylinders to say the least. I think Arsenal now will fancy the chances in that game, whereas a couple of weeks ago they'd have been 
kind of dreading it a little bit. Yeah, no, 100%. It's just looking at the lineup for the Arsenal team, Dave. Um, so you had, I think, no, I could be a little out on some of the ages. Um, but I reckon you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, eight of those players who are under maybe the, the 25, 26 mark. You know, just on the cusp. Yeah, I can only think of Aubameyang and um, and possibly uh, I'm trying to think who played. Thomas Partley. I didn't know how old they were exactly. Or Ramsdale. Ramsdale's young enough to play for England in the 21s, which means he's probably no, no older than 23. Yeah, so so depending on how old Thomas and Gabriel, so apart from Aubameyang, the rest of the team I reckon is under that 26 mark. Yeah. Um, Do we see a bright future for that team if they stay together? Then there's no reason why not. It's just are they under the right manager <laughs> to develop as well as they might? Um, now we don't really know is the answer to that. Like there's no sort of history of Arteta managing clubs to say well he's developed this, we developed that. Like we know we don't know. Um, we kind of learn as we go with Arteta. Um, they've got all the potential in the world, but they've also got all the potential to combust as they normally do so we're um, kind of waiting to see on that one um, it looks like Party and Teeny picked up injuries yesterday I don't know how serious they are but that's got to be a concern for them as well um, the pair of them well, we've spoken with Teeny at length before how he's you know, one of the best fullbacks in the division when he's fit it's just it seems to be always one game away from an injury yeah. uh, whereas, whereas Party, you know the main thing he's got in his favour is he's not going to chagger. So playing him, in, <laughs> so, <laughs> playing him in front of the defence is, is obviously going to help. <laughs> no, 100%. I think, um, I mean, I still don't think Arteta is the right man for them. But I think Arsenal fans can, can sleep a bit more better this weekend. Um, and if you, as you say, if you kind of take the the immediate future like aside, because they're, they're not going to be anywhere near competing for any trophies that are, I'd be very surprised, but I think they could have a good, you know, maybe next season, the season after, as you say, possibly under under another manager. But um, if they can come away with three points that comfortable against Burnley, um, we're making out Burnley are like this super team here. But you know, it, it's <laughs> almost like kryptonite for for Arsenal. You know, they are just the the flat track bullies that Arsenal. I, I don't think results actually show really that they struggle too badly, but especially how they've been just now. Um, I think that's a, I think that's a more important three, three points than than beating a team like a Liverpool or a City, where you can you can almost out, not outplay them, but they almost outplay themselves. Whereas you know Burnley are just they are that effective, they're organised, or but yeah, I think that's a massive three points for Arsenal and and probably. Um, Fortunately for us, because it gives us more talking points for the weeks to come, but probably keeps Arteta on a job for for a, f- a good few months more, and I, I, I like that idea. Well, I mean, if they go and win the North London Derby next weekend, that would be obviously three wins on the spin, and all of a sudden, it's sort of like what crisis at Arsenal, because uh, that, that'll be them up and running. Um, they're already on to... Six points, which obviously isn't great, but as we spoke about before, you know they played played Man City and Chelsea in their opening two of their opening three games. I think it was always going to be a case. Let's see how they get on in these next five or six games. Obviously, the first two they've edged, 
they could do with Rackham, like a proper proper home win, um, which they may well get against Palace in a few weeks' time if things go to plan. So if I was Arsenal, I'd be pretty happy with how things have turned out after you know after the world was going to fall in a few weeks ago. Um, all of a sudden, as you say, when you look at it in the cool light of day, they've got a very young team, um, which is winning games that you know haven't won, which is you know Burnley away is a tough place to go for someone like Arsenal. Um, so it could be a lot worse, couldn't it? Yeah, I think um, I think they may be secured uh, their Premier League safety for next season. <laughs> I, think, I think they might be okay now. Um, well, next up after that was um, Liverpool at home. Yeah, at home to Crystal Palace. Um, the scoreline suggests this was a very comfortable game. Um, but from all the, the highlights I can find, you know, the extended highlights that you always find. Yeah. Um, Crystal Palace, not saying they can feel themselves hard done by, but Crystal Palace were much better than the scoreline shows. Um, I don't know how much you've seen of the game. But... Um. Yeah, I saw most of the you know the extended highlights and as you say, Liverpool. I mean, when Liverpool got three goals from set pieces, um, I can't tell you how well how well Palace played. But your mate Edward, <laughs> I, I bet he wishes he had some of those chances back. <laughs> that almost kind of proves my point after I'm taking the mic out of me um, last weekend. Um, yeah, I mean, but the fact that Benteke was starting over here. Again, <laughs> that can't be good for your confidence after you come on and score two. No, I didn't really. I didn't really get that at all. Because I know there's obviously an element of like let's let's uh, have a focal point and you know make sure we don't get just possession turned over again and again and again. But there's absolutely pretty much no goal threat from Benteke unless he needs a new contract. Mm-hmm. Um, once he's got his new contract, he goes back to this where we you know we have no goals and no point. I thought if I was Edward, I'm scored twice in what was it six minutes. Um, you're, uh, you're a bit disappointed if you if you're not getting a start in the next game, especially in a game like that. I mean, players must come to like players coming up to England want to play in the, the Anfields. The I was going to say they had the but let's not kill ourselves. Um, you know, the Old Trafford, Stamford Bridge. You know, that's the games that they dream of as a kid. You know, if they if they got if they want to play in England, you know, those are the games they want to go to and. That the, the fairy tale of scoring the winner and a one 0 win against the big team. Um, so yeah, that and then as you say, the chances he had. Um, well, I mean, before I come on to Liverpool, I mean, as I say, I want to give as much credit as we can to to Palace and and Patrick Vieira. Um, the only thing that I, the question I've really got on Patrick Vieira is: Do you think if results don't? Obviously, they got the win against Boris last week, so it's, it's, a, it's almost a weird question. But do, do you think pressure will mount on Patrick Vieira really quickly if results don't continue to come, regardless of performances? I don't think they will. I think I think he's shown enough already in these opening five games that they're not. You know, I, I mean, I think I certainly said I thought the roof would fall in. Um, within, you know, it's kind of the perfect mix of half the squad departed and fairly. Unremarkable manager coming in, certainly you know at management level, obviously a fantastic player, but his management record isn't great. Um, but they've shown enough to suggest they're uh, you know not uh, not going to be down there with the, with, with the likes of Newcastle and Burnley, but um, are quite capable of um, 
bit of consolidating their, their position and alright they didn't get anything yesterday but they, they played pretty well it's something to build off and I wasn't as blown away with them against Spurs as a lot of people were because I was going to say well, I watched the first hour and it was it was absolutely dreadful but being able to um, to find those results and get momentum going when you've got players like Zaha and um, and obviously you know toward Edward and whoever else they're going to bring in up there they're capable of, of beating anyone when they're, when they're at it um, especially you know when the home fans get going it's quite an intimidating place to go so I hope they stick with them and I hope they you know give them a fair crack of the whip but um, I think we'll we'll learn more about Palace as the season goes on yeah he definitely needs one full season at least you know let's see through I know that's not the whole project but let's see the at least the end results um, and see how positive we can be come Come May. Um, I mean, on Liverpool, obviously, without both fullbacks, um, usual fullbacks, um, I'm slightly happy that Simicus was back in. I discussed it with you last week and the week before that I felt like he was harsh to be dropped after his opening few games when Robertson was injured. Um, Kanati came in, made his debut. Again, fairly fairly comfortable. Not, didn't really have much to do, but again, we said they're, they're playing Benteke. Is there a better debut to have? <laughs> Then Mark and Benteke for the game. Uh, <laughs> I was terrified when I seen the lineup. When I seen James Milner at right back against Zaha, that could have went um, could have went awful. But I think he handled himself, you know, very comfortably. Um, and then <laughs> this might be very like Liverpool bias here, but at the moment on form over the last even over the last year, say Mo Salah has to be up there with one of the best players in the world at the moment. Because Messi and Ronaldo aren't quite the same. And Bappe's very hot and cold. And Haaland's probably the only one who kind of sticks at a, you know, a good level all the time. I'm not sure he really gets the credit he deserves. Cause, um, oh, yeah. For, what's this, his fourth Premier League season now? Yeah, fifth. Yeah, uh, for, oh, is it, well, for Liverpool, is that or is that just... This is his fifth Liverpool. This, oh, is, okay. this is the fifth season we've had. The oh, fair enough. Okay. So for, for every one of those seasons, he has hit 20 goals or more or less 20 goals uh, in the league, plus whatever he gets in Cups in Europe and whatever else is going on. Um, and he plays as, as a wide forward. Like it, It's ridiculous, really, the, the amount of goals he scores and the amount of goals he's involved in. And I know people say he's a bit greedy sometimes, but show me a striker who isn't. You know... Ronaldo is the greatest of them all, and he's, that's why he sets these records. Um, he is phenomenal. Um, I think he is probably definitely in the top five players in the world, and I think you could put an argument for him being in the top three at the moment, for sure. Yeah, I, I just it's nice to hear it come from, because we don't hear it enough from the Liverpool fan base. He's not even in the conversation when people talk about like you know some of Liverpool's best players. Um, even in in my lifetime, it's like it's like he is the most disrespected player I've ever seen at Liverpool. I feel like, um, but I mean another goal for him, a goal for Manny, and I, I need special mention to to Naby Keita's left um, <laughs> volley and and almost a turn in arrogance. I, I do feel it was aimed at um, possible management um, in in certain probably sections of our fan base. The, just the way he scored, and because when I first seen the goal, I thought I'd been disallowed. <laughs> I, just, I thought that if he had like blown for a foul or something had happened, just if that was me, I'm I'm diving headfirst into the crowd. I mean, I don't think he could believe he'd done it. I mean, 
I'm surprised his leg didn't fall off. As from uh, you know, the rest of Liverpool career being blighted with injuries, but this one, um, that's a, it's just just a wonderful hit, isn't it? Yeah, it's just picture perfect, isn't it? It's one that yeah, it's one of those you dream of in the in the in the school playground. Absolutely, you'd be absolutely chuffed to score that goal at any level, let alone you know, in, at Anfield, Liverpool, in the Premier League. So, um, fair play to him. Um, I think we all know he's got the ability. It's just the fitness has never really been there and. Probably this is his last chance, really, or else he'd be, he'd be sold on if he can't prove himself this year, I would think. Um, with Harvey Elliott out for a while, there's kind of a little vacancy in there. It may well be him who takes it. Yeah, fingers, fingers crossed. I'm a, I'm a massive fan, but I think we've all got one at a club that we probably shouldn't be as big a fans of as we are, but we'll defend them to the death. And uh, yeah, Naby's that one for me, and I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll openly admit it. Whereas um, certain other individuals, um, I just um, I just can't celebrate for at all. Um, anyway, we'll move on to the to the Etihad, and after um, the controversy of Pep Guardiola begging for fans during the week, uh, we had a home tie at the Etihad against Southampton. Um. I, I really don't know what much to say about this, Dave. Obviously, the, the massive talk about we'll, we'll, we'll just start there before I let you go. Uh, Man City, sorry, Southampton awarded a penalty for a Kyle Walker foul and then was obviously red carded. With, uh, right, I think the referee, when he changed his mind, actually got the decision. I don't think it was a penalty original. Um, and even watching the replay, I, I'm still... I'm not convinced it's a penalty. But everybody seems to be outraged over this. Uh, what's your thoughts on the, the penalty and the decision and then yeah, the game after that, Dave? Well, firstly, um, Southampton were outstanding. I think they were, you know, really restricted Man City to hardly any shots on target. I can't remember how many they finished up with, but after about 80 minutes, there was, there was none. So, um, you know, totally fair play to them because they've had some nightmares away at big oh, clubs. Um, I, how many, sorry? Just one. Southampton. Just one. Well, that says it all, doesn't it? But on the the main incident there, um, for me, it's a penalty just because he barges in the background. Um, however, I think, had it been the other way around, he hadn't given it, they wouldn't have overturned it using VAR. I was very surprised that this one was deemed a clear and obvious error to overturn it, um, considering the men were you know, using the, you know, the light of such a VAR. And some of the things we're seeing this weekend that haven't been given, which again we'll come on to, um, to decide this one, I can understand if they said, well, it's, it's not a red card because he's made an attempt for the ball and therefore it's not sort of revokes the double jeopardy that used to be there. Um, but to say it's not a foul is, I find that quite hard. Um, so, it's disappointing for me. I, I don't think it's very consistent with the rest of the approach that's been taken this season with VAR, which is you know, lighter touch and try and overturn less. And I know you're you're a ref yourself. So what's your take on it? Why do you not think it was a penalty? I, I just <sighs> um, what I do agree with you is I'm surprised it was overturned for the whole clear and obvious. But I don't know. Just I, the more I look at it, the more I feel the the Southampton was it Chad Armstrong? Is that who it was? It was Adam Armstrong who got yeah, taken down. Yeah, I, I just feel he was. I don't know. I, I almost feel he was down. Not so much a dive 
don't know if you, if you start, I, I need to watch it again now. I, I did watch it yesterday when the talking point, but I, I was at work when I was watching it. Um, I just felt like he's like, as soon as he felt contact, like before the, if I can remember right, Walker's kind of foot kind of tries to come round the side of him as they run at an angle, is that right? Yes. I just felt literally as soon as there was contact, before he even, it looks like Walker, because Walker's a big boy. Um, it, it feels like as soon as like there's a touch, he, he was almost down, whether he was off balance or just the angle, because I, I assume Adam Armstrong's quite quick, the way the way he ran through like that, because he, he turned the city defence quite quite easily and, and was away. Um, so that was my only thinking. I was surprised it was overturned, but again, watching the replay, I don't feel... Just obviously, I only see it on two TVs. Really, what they're looking at on the screen and what we see. Um, I just didn't feel there was enough contact for it to be a foul. But again, I, I'm very surprised it wasn't that it was overturned. Sorry. Um, I think usually an instinct like that, usually a referee is the first instinct is usually right because they're with a decision like that they are right up in play. And uh, I mean, less said about the referee in question. Uh, <laughs> probably the better um, but yeah yeah, I was surprised by that the the other talking point for this game that I found very strange 8 minutes added on at the end 8 minutes I, I assume it was on the back of said decision because it did take ages and it sorted out it, right. but I don't it, think it was an awful lot of other stoppages it just it took maybe 5 minutes or so to actually sort it out because um, obviously the red card was given and it was overturned and it took him a while he had to go over the monitor so I guess that makes some sort of sense because they also had one disallowed in injury time, which took another couple of minutes to figure out. So, um, yeah, well, I mean, normally we wouldn't discuss a nil-nil, but I thought we'd better give yes, Southampton their props because they were incredible, um, and we did kind of write them off a couple of weeks ago, Dave, the way they had started. Um, yeah, well, the only thing about them is they, um, you know, they've they've actually not won yet. <laughs> they've got four draws, um, so at least they're hard to beat. But they also haven't won a game yet, so. Um, I'm not quite in the camp of well, you know, something we're absolutely fine because draws only get you so far. But uh, yeah, yes. when they're up, they stay up. Well, maybe, but uh, <laughs> there were. I think when you go to the Etihad and you come away with a point, you've been brilliant defensively. Which, as I say, for Southampton, they haven't always been that watertight away to you know tough games like that. So that's you know real feather. Um, for their sake, that's it's the start of good things for them because uh, Haston Hooper wore his waistcoat again, so doesn't want to be uh, doesn't want to be dressed up with nowhere to go. Yeah, he's he's back. The confidence is back in him, and that <laughs> so he's all suited and booted. Might even get a bow tie before the end of the season. That's my that's my hope. We waistcoat and a bow tie. Um, last of the three o'clock games, then Dave uh, Norwich v Watford. Um, for me, this I always thought Norwich were going to go down anyway, but this pretty much all but seals it for them. They looked absolute awful here, and it's no... I mean, Watford were good, but this is a game that Norwich need to be winning because they obviously they came up with them, um, and that's one of the teams who should be around them, but they just looked awful. Uh, this was very, very comfortable for Watford. Yeah, well, we said about Norwich before, you know, they had the, the terrible start in terms of league games. They've had to play on everybody, haven't they? They've had a tough run to begin the season with, but um, 
this was maybe the game where we saw you know the real Norwich, and if this is the real Norwich, good. <laughs> they um, it's never good when you get beaten off a you know a fellow promotion team, um, one who you finished above. Um, I thought I think we all thought Norwich would go down, but I also thought they put more of a fight than they did last time. Um, and it doesn't look like that's going to be the case at all. Um, they were hopeless, really. Um, Pookie remains, you know, a threat, um, but that defence has got no protection. Um, Watford exploited that pretty easily, um, and I think I think Norwich fans might start turning on the manager at some point because it's not like they haven't spent. You know, they've, they've bought in a fair few players. Um, and I think if it didn't start getting some results by Christmas, the board might look at it and go, well, do we want to go through all this again? And just, you know, is maybe it's time to start a new cycle with a new manager and hopefully either stay up or, you know, build a team and a manager who's capable of actually keeping us in the Premier League because it doesn't look like Farkas up to it at the minute. No, definitely not. I'm, I'm just watching the highlights again uh, to see if I was being, you know, slightly unfair in Norwich. But Watford are just they're cutting through them at ease. Almost every attack in the in the highlights package. I mean, I know the highlights package only obviously show those moments, but there's just far too many of them. Um, I mean, Watford do look dangerous. Let's we with Saar and is it Dennis that played? Saar and Dennis and, and Josh King, who yeah. um, you know, kind of been been written off because of a quiet couple of years but when he's on it as we saw for Bournemouth he is a real handful because he's a you know, big strapping lad with pace and power um, and him and him and Dennis look like a good partnership with, with Saar obviously but I'll be disrespectful to Watford Saar's very capable of playing at a high level and I'm sure will at some stage um, with those three they've always got a chance especially on the count away from home I think a good source of points for them as the season goes on Yes, yeah, all three are, are quick and direct and, and a comfortable free one. You know you're in trouble when a team started with Tom Cleverley <laughs> and Ben Foster. <laughs> I know, Madden is professional, but he must be coming on 50 now. He's, he's played professional football longer than I've been alive. He got interviewed after the game and said, you know, I think he's 38, but uh, he just said he still felt absolutely fine. I mean, he looks after himself, he does all his cycling and stuff, so there's no reason why he. Uh, you know, there's no reason why he couldn't play on. He's a goalkeeper. I mean, 30, it's nothing in goalkeeping terms, is it? Yeah, um, he's never been the the big agility keeper, has he? So it's not like he's relying on on that type of, you know, performance. It's all, He's always been very, you know, just consistent, very steady. Yeah, it does, it does make me feel old, though. When I remember him coming through as a young, you know, young keeper, I think it was Birmingham, wasn't it? And then he ended up on loan. At, uh, he went to Man U and obviously went on loan to, like, West Brom and things after that. But it seems like an absolute lifetime ago. Yeah, no, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted for him because, as you say, he comes across really well on social media. Um, but yeah, very, very good win for Watford. So that's Watford up to eleventh. They've got six points from the first five. Um, I think we did. I can't remember. I can't. I can't bother getting. I didn't bother bringing the book out because Simon abandoned us, so I knew we didn't need the, well, the quiz. Did we have in the in the four or five? We, we all got overexcited with Watford because we did our predictions after the first weekend, where they obviously. Beat Aston Villa on, on week one, um, so we all thought, oh, here you go, you know, Watford are going to be absolutely fine. Then they didn't win for three weeks, um, so it's interesting to see if this result is the norm or whether Norwich are really just that poor. Because um, we well, you know Watford got turned over by Wolves last weekend, who we've just said are terrible. So um, 
I think, think... I think we need some more evidence to see which one they actually are, but um, you know they're playing us next weekend. If they lose that, then um, they should be very concerned. But if I mean I expect they'll win that because everyone beats us, um, so we'll just see how that goes. Yeah, no, exactly. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, definitely. Um, right, we'll take a quick break there. Um, we'll let the ads pop in at this moment here, and we will be back in a second. And Dave, we are back. So the evening game, the the, the exciting that we all waited for after the three o'clock blackout was Aston Villa Everton. The game that literally cost Simon not to be here. <laughs> If it had been earlier on the day, we might have had him, but because it was the nighttime game, Simon thought he was 21 still and decided to party all night and probably all day today. Um, <laughs> very, very good performance from, from Aston Villa here. Um, we both know how organised Rafa can be, um, but Aston Villa were just, they were on it. Danny Ings was incredible in this game. Matty Cash, um, well deserved 3 0 win. Yeah, it was a very scrappy game for maybe 50 minutes, 55 minutes. I mean, Everton um, were missing Pickford. They were missing uh, Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin. Um, they were missing Seamus Coleman. Uh, so they were patched up. They had Rondon up front who was making his first start, who was OK for the first 20 minutes, then was you know, visibly blown a little bit, which is not that much of a surprise. He hasn't played for a while. Um, whereas Villa had you know, Leon Bailey being off the bench, who was absolutely brilliant for 20 minutes was involved in all three goals and went off. So that was the difference, pretty much. Um, Rafa will be worried about how easily Everton fell apart and gone behind. Um, but they got blitzed. Like you say, Bailey came on. Um, and I guess he wasn't that involved in the first goal. Matty Cash bursting forward, took a while. Second goal is a couple minutes later. Bailey whips a corner and Dini flicks past his goalkeeper, Begovic, who I mean, Begovic was pretty average about five years ago. So I can't imagine times helped him in that regard. Uh, and then the third goal, classic, you know, throw in on the right hand side of the pitch. Everyone's over there. Ings, which is the player, Bailey runs through, smashes it in, um, hurts his knee in the process, goes off. The hero, for, you know, 20 minutes of good work. Not bad if you can get it. It's not bad on his wage, that's it. I know. That's a high um, So, I mean, what can you take from this? Villa, um, I think when Villa get all their players up and running, um, they could do very well. So far, they haven't managed to do that. One reason after another, you know, players being quarantined in Argentina and injuries and you know, whatever else has gone on. I think McGinn came off in this one with a concussion. Um, I hope their sake that Bailey's injury isn't particularly bad because he obviously is a huge talent and I want to see him do well. Um, so he could be, you know, pretty, pretty. Uh, Pretty important to any sort of run they're going to go on. They've got Man United away and Tottenham away the next two. It's just a tough couple of weeks. Um, so they won't, they won't be at full strength for that. For Everton, you know, they were fantastic on Monday night, obviously, after we last spotted, but they played Burnley and um, after going behind, just seemed to flick the switch. And, you know, Townsend looked like classic Jezinho type winger. Damari Gray looked unbelievable. Um, but then there seems to suffer quite a few injuries on the back of that. So I'm yeah. not worried. I'm not worried about Evan. They're obviously going to be fine. Um, they've got Norwich at home next, which is a, should be the ideal game to, to bounce back in. Um, I've heard that Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin are going to be out until after the national break. So 
that's going to be a concern because Rondon can't do 90 minutes. And as we found out yesterday, you know, once Rondon's done, I think they ended up with like Andre Gomez came on and Gray played up front on his own, and it just, it just there was there was no attacking threat there whatsoever for the last 20 minutes, 20 minutes half an hour because they just had no focal point, and that's going to be a concern. Yeah, I wonder if Richarlison will, will move to, like, especially, you know, depending on who's back first, I wonder if we see Richarlison more in, in attacking lineups this year when, when, uh, Alan, sorry, is missing games. I wonder if we see him back through the middle, but, uh, the forward line, as you say, might be a concern. But as you say, against Norwich, shouldn't really matter. Even Rondon should, should be comfortable there. The way they Norwich played today. Well, that's it. I mean, I think they've got a late cup game in midweek, so they can get another hour under his belt there, or whatever they want to do with him, and then um, hopefully be better, better equipped to, to face Norwich next weekend. Well, as you know, I rate Rondon really highly from his time up here, so um, I think if they, if they get him anywhere near fitness, uh, he'll be an absolute fine replacement for Calvert Lewin while he's injured, especially under under Rafa as well. You know that that's just, he will build it, uh, this the squad and set up around him. To protect him as well, even for the next game. Now that obviously they're, if they know that Calvert-Lewin's out and they know they're definitely having to go with Rondon sort of thing for these games, Rafa will set up that team around him. So he just has to literally be the the hold up, the the ball winner, the threat, the target man sort of thing, and mm-hmm. and help players like Rond, eh, Damari Gray and Townsend, and you know others just doing all his running for him. Um, it's the one credit we can not. It's not the one credit, but it's definitely a strength that Rafa has. Um, on Villa, I still think their manager holds them back. I think he's very, you know, very set in his ways. Maybe that's just the limit he's at. But I think Villa have a, have a really good squad, and with a couple of signings in certain positions, I feel they could penetrate like the top seven, seven for Europe. You know, qualify yeah. European places. I, I do feel Dean Smith. Um, it's probably their weakest. Well, no, Tyron Mins is definitely their weakest. <laughs> I, 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 I do. Uh, sorry, I do think there'll come a time where they sort of outgrow Dean Smith. Um, yeah. There's only, I mean, he's not exactly a, a well-known name across Europe, is he? And some of the players that sign him, I don't know how how thrilled they'll be with. I mean, he's introduced a long throw this season, which has obviously worked quite well in a couple. Of, but I don't know how sustainable that is. So. It's definitely one to watch if, if the results don't go the way they might. I can see them looking for someone more established. Yeah, I think their owners are very ambitious from their, their other franchises. Um, I can't remember the basketball team they own. Um, but I'm sure, I'm sure they went through a couple of head coaches in a couple of years because basically they didn't win the lot. You know, they, they dropped games. You know, they, are, they, they spend big. And they have done for Villa. Let's not pretend that Villa haven't spent a pretty penny. They've been very ambitious, and even the. I think the only surprise is they didn't actually spend more this summer when they sold Grealish. They didn't only spent the Grealish money, um, and that always just—it's maybe like the this this. I kind of get the word to use, but the the sinner in me that believes that they're just not—they're almost not giving them any more money just now, and kind of just enough rope to to hang mm. them. Because um, I do believe they have big ambitions to be. The thing is, as well, like I remember when. Going back a couple of years now, they were the first season back up. They were very close to being relegated, yeah. and every week on all you know Twitter and live text page, anything, like that, anything where fans could text in, the Villa fans quite often were calling for Smith's head, saying he was out of his depth, saying that he you know shouldn't really be 
Villa's manager in the Premier League, and it was his decisions that were that were ultimately going to take them down. And then lockdown happened, yeah. and whatever they did over that couple of months um, just seemed to work. That they were they were exceptional at the end of that run. They had an exceptional start the following season, and then obviously you know Grealish got injured and things sort of tailed off a bit. So they're um, they're kind of at a crossroads now where they can you know go and win a few games and stop going up the table and we'll say, well, this is the real Aston Villa. Or they can lose a few games and be like, well, you know, without Grealish, they're just a mid-table club. Um, I, and I really don't know which way it's going to go. The players they've got now, they should be more than capable of being in the top half, if not the top eight. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I guess we'll see. As I say, two tough games to come. If they get points in both of those, then I think they'll start to believe they can they can really push on. Yeah, confidence is key for them. Um Right, we'll move on to Sunday's games, Dave, and three games today to cover. Um, first up, Brighton 2, Leicester 1. I can't say I'm not delighted. Now, I've not seen any of <laughs> I will not lie to, to our audience. Um, so this is all on you. I have just scored. So, yeah, Brighton 2-1 against Leicester. What? Yeah, so with this one, I mean, obviously it wasn't televised here in the UK, so from the, the what I've read and the, and the highlights I've seen, um, Brighton got a fairly controversial penalty um, from a corner. Shane Duffy involved as usual. Um, Morbius lots the pen. Uh, and then the always worrying side of Danny Welbeck heading in unopposed from a set piece just after half time. Made it 2 0. Um, <clears throat> Leicester got one back with Vardy pretty much straight away, but then they had two goals disallowed because Harvey Barnes was in an offside position and in neither, in neither goal was he involved in the actual you know shot or whatever. He was just standing in the way of the goalkeeper and was deemed to be offside, so I bet he's popular tonight. Um, <laughs> both from corners. Um, I didn't see anything else to suggest Leicester would have got back into this, but to have two votes allowed for that is pretty unfortunate because it's not like the goalkeeper had a chance with either one, in my opinion. So um, I think they've got away with one here, Brighton, but take nothing away from Graham Potter because they are flying. They're now fourth. Um, one point off the top. Um, they've won four of their five games. Um, all right, they haven't had the hardest start of the season, but they can only beat what's in front of them, and I didn't think they'd win today. Um, but to have Leicester, on the other hand, it's a bit disappointing for them, isn't it? Having blown a two-goal lead in Europe in midweek and not really had the best start of the season. They... Um, they're not looking anywhere near as good as the other, you know, the big four, if you like, who last were mixed with last season. They look a mile off the pace, um, and all of a sudden you're already thinking, well, they've got no chance of getting the Champions League, so they're going to be in need of a turnaround already to make up seven points on, on that, you know, the biggest of those three. Yeah, what's the penalty for being? The which one? The Brighton penalty. Yeah. Um. It's for handball. A handball, I think. I think Duffy heads it down and yeah. they, they give a handball, but the guy is it Vestergaard? I can't remember. I think he claims he's been fouled as well. So that's the only reason he handballs it because he's sort of like being dragged into it. Um and and it took ages to decide if it was a penalty or not. I think they gave the pen on the pitch and then obviously VAR spent a while trying to decide whether it was or it wasn't. I'm, I'm sitting watching like the, the VAR, but you're, you're quite far away from the... doesn't look like he's been fouled. And I, I can't see any contact in the hand, but I'm assuming they've seen closer than me. Um, but 
it's, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, if it's hit his hand and he's not been filled, it's, a, it's def, obviously a definite strange to me. But I don't understand how he could go back like that either. But yeah, just I thought when you said that there was like, controversy around that, I thought I better go have a look and see what it says. But yeah, it's a very strange one from the, the, the angles that the, the highlights are showing you anyway. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. Um, and so, as I said, to you, there wasn't an awful lot else on the highlights package, to be honest, to, to tell me whether you know Brighton really deserve this or not. But um, all I can do is, is keep winning. I mean, it's, I say it's, it's we knew Brighton had this in them, they just haven't really, you know, they didn't take any chances last season, end up dropping a load of points. Um, whereas now, you say they've won four out of five. Um, the next game is Palace, which is their, it's not a local derby, but it's a derby nevertheless because they've were fighting about the stadium some years ago. I think that's the story. We'll pretend anyway. We'll pretend we'll yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, we never really had any worries about Brighton, but they're going to be absolutely fine. I, obviously, they're not going to finish fourth, in my opinion, but they're also not going to be anywhere near the bottom six on this performance, so good for them. Leicester, um, struggling to put teams away. Um, you know, even the games they've won, they haven't really won handsomely. Um, Vardy still looks sharp as attack, but he needs some help. Um, and he's really getting it at the minute in terms of scoring goals. Yeah, I'm, I'm just sorry. I'm just watching the highlight package as well. Leicester just they actually look okay for the first, you know, the first half, and then they're all over the shop. The but Barnes is just obviously very naive to where he's standing, not thinking. Um, but I think. I to do it once is bad, but to do it twice is yeah. just oh my god! <laughs> From Leicester in this game is the kit is lovely, that green <laughs> and the bright pink socks. I'm I'm all for it. I mean, I, I still hope they get relegated while they have that manager in charge. But yeah, overall, yeah, as you say, look, Brighton have kind of been almost my adopted team since we started doing the show with Dave. I think I've been we've been quite both of us have been quite you know. Huge fans of the way Potter had them playing, and we, we all agreed they were unlucky. The goals are obviously Mopi got a penalty today, but you know he's got a few this season that he didn't get last season. Um, I still think that's where they're missing. They probably need that, you know, the fifteen to twenty goal a season in all competitions forward. Um, but you know they got the goal. Was it today? Was it Welbeck? Get the assist, or did he score? To it? I'm sure it's he scored. He um, it was like a, a free kick, and he headed in on the near post. Um, he can chip in with a few. I mean, yeah, they're not going to finish fourth, as you say, Dave. But I wouldn't be surprised for Brighton finishing the top half. No, no, I wouldn't at all. I mean, we had enough trouble trying to decide who was going to finish in the top half earlier when we did the predictions. <laughs> um, if Brighton, you know, to take the chances they create, which you know the. Sometimes it works out that way, doesn't it? Where you you take no chances for one season, and all of a sudden you can't can't miss the next. So um, they have got every chance of, of you know really consolidating themselves as a top top level Premier League side. Well, next up on the Sunday was West Ham at home to Manchester United. Now a shout out to the, the the young couple who were at a wedding in Perth yesterday, who have now subscribed to our podcast, Dave. Um, oh, fantastic. Uh, West Ham season ticket holders. Um, and so I said I'd give them a little shout out and try and not be too negative about West Ham. But I have to criticise the manager here uh, for this absolute ridiculous decision. Um, <laughs> I don't care who it is. You don't bring somebody on to take a penalty, Dave. At that point of the game. 
Well, well, history has shown it's not a good idea. Yeah. And like quite recent history as well. <laughs> yes. Um, so Man United obviously come away 2-1 winners. Um, we can speculate all we like whether it be different because I still think Man United are so poor. Um, but they have just match winners and players like Ronaldo. But an on-form Antonio absolute bullies that Man United defence. Um, we, and we could see a different result. But, yeah, look, four games, four goals for Ronaldo. Jesse Lingard maybe making up for his, his error last week in the, in the Man United fans' eyes, maybe. Well, yeah, as you say, Ronaldo is... Ronaldo is what you see now, which is he's just a penalty box striker. Um, it's, you know, it's fair play. You know, he just scores goals. Um, he's not going to be the player he was 15 years ago when he was at Man U, when he was you know going the outside of players on the wing and whipping balls in. Um, it's just not his game now, is it? He's just he's he's very very effective in the in the in that box, and the, the team's going to make a lot of chances for him. So there'll be no worries on that front. Um, Lingard took his goal brilliantly. Um, he is far too good to be sat on a bench every week. Um, it's probably quite gratifying away from to say well you know I've been at West Ham I've done did really good things at West Ham and he's come back and he hasn't looked out the place the Man United team that era in midweek uh, notwithstanding but um, generally in an attacking sense he now has two goals in three games so what more can I ask for um, not to give the goal away, goal away last week. <laughs> well perhaps but, but that was you want to blame the manager for, for West Ham Solskjaer oh. wanted absolutely destroying for the way he, um, he approached the second half of that game in midweek, where he just withdrew every attacking player he had and uh, somehow invited the pressure on and somehow they lost, so fancy that, to yeah. David Wagner's young boys of Bern. So, dear God. <laughs> it was it was glorious. I, I, I actually watched the, the second half um I can't remember what made me put it on and then just it's one of those kept on and, and just smiled from ear to ear. Um but yeah, so I mean back to this, this Yeah, sh- shall we talk about the incidents? Yeah, I mean Well, I tell you what, let me ask you, because you're the ref. So the, the for the the Ronaldo one where Zuma goes in on him. Mm. Yeah, no, I thought it was. I thought the referee was all right. Um, I'm going to try and watch again, just make sure I haven't missed it. I, well, I've seen like that earlier on. Well, see, I think with this one, a couple of minutes before the Zuma one, Ronaldo goes, he like chops inside Kufal, yeah. and uh, it's one of those where Kufal kind of dangles a leg, and Ronaldo makes sure he kicks it. Yeah. Um, and the ref, I'm, it went to VAR, and obviously because everything does, and I'm fairly sure the ref will have got told he's simulated that. Um, and then when this happens a couple of minutes later, that's fresh in his mind, so he doesn't give it. Yeah, that's quite fair. What what I always add as well is there's a when players leave their leg, if you get given a penalty against you, whether the player kicks you or not, you're the idiot. <laughs> you're given a decision to be made. It's it's lazy defending. Um, I mean, there's times obviously you can't help it if a player's been too quick, but. Ronaldo isn't that, you know, that quick that we've said anymore, you know. So it's not like, it's not like a Zaha who's like really quick footwork and leaving you like all over the shot. It, it is literally just a sidestep now for him, and I just feel 
not just in these decisions, but we see it regularly. A defender almost, rather than have it to run, they'll just outstretch a leg and just leave it there and hope for the best that they can say, oh, but yeah, but the attacker kicked me. <laughs> yeah. But I think, to be honest, I think I've seen the Zuma one again. To me, it's a, it's a stick-on penalty. Regardless of what's gone on before, I think it's it's a blatant foul. Yeah, I mean, you'd like to think that... Oh, I don't know. Would you like to think or is <laughs> that... Um, <laughs> it's the, it's the, the age-old standard of refereeing, but you'd like to think that the previous decision doesn't come into play. Um, I'm trying to get it here on the highlights, but it'll be typical that I can't find it when we're actually discussing it. <laughs> we'll see it again. Because um, maybe I'm thinking of the first one. Um, so this um, this second one is just after Lingard's goal. So basically Lingard scores. And then obviously West Ham throw everyone forward and then Ronaldo kind of breaks. And Zuma stretches the ball and just doesn't get it. Um, and um, yeah, it's coming up here. No, they're not showing you in the, this highlight package that I've brought up. Typically, it just went straight to the show one. So, which means I'm going to guess you're right, Dave. <laughs> well, <laughs> you've took that out of the highlights package now. Go straight to the show, the show handball. I mean, to be honest, the turning out the highlights package makes me less <laughs> less confident in my in my, in my opinion, but. Um, <laughs> The sure one, um, I mean, what I'd say about this is that the ref hasn't given a penalty in real time, which I find absolutely astounding. Yeah. Um, and obviously they go to VAR and say, yes, that's a penalty because it's hit his hand when his hand's stuck out by his, you know, not by his body, it's out. Um, and it was always going to be given, to, in my opinion, as soon as they looked at this on, on, on VAR. Um, all right, a bit unfortunate because I think as a defender, you, you, you're always going to sort of stand like that as you adjusting to try and face a cross um, but you leave your arm out like that and the ball hits it, it's going to be given Yeah, you, you've, you've almost doubled your body size haven't you by me yes. yeah. Yeah, exactly. the handball is one of the most frustrating rules as a referee because there's, st- there's so many grey areas with it um, that it's just in the speed of play but that might be one of the most Obvious hands down handballs outside catching the ball. <laughs> <laughs> it's so far wide. It's just yeah. I don't know. I, I just it baffles me. The 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 referees. This is not given that in the first place. Like what more? What more do you need? Um, I know between the ref and the liner as well. I'm pretty sure the liner was on that side of the pitch as well. He should have. Yeah. Like to not give that. I just find incredible. Um, and obviously it goes to VAR, it's a pen. Um, and then <sighs> bringing on Noble to take a pen. And Moyes says it's because of his record. His record's so good. <sighs> Aye, but how many of those has he taken with no warm-up and no other touches in the game? <laughs> yeah, that's the baffling thing. That you've, you've not got a feel. You've got a, like, a penalty. I believe a penalty is the easiest thing in the world to do. Right? I, I'm just... Obviously, I've never taken one at an elite level, but the way I look at professional footballers, like so, I've took penalty in cup finals at my level, um, penalty shoots. Now that's pressure for my ability, obviously, in my level. But a professional football, obviously, they're playing in front of sixty thousand fans, seventy thousand fans, but they're doing that all the time. So it's no different to you know to me or you playing at whatever level we're playing at. That's why they're getting paid 
the money, no, it comes down to money, but they're at that level because more of the, not just so much just their ability, but the, the mental side of the game as well. It's, you know, I mean, we've, we've played with, I'm sure we've played, we both played with some really good players and we wondered like, why are you still here? But again, <laughs> the, the luck of obviously being seen, but a lot down to the mental aspect as well. I've been able to do it consistency at that level. So Mark Noble obviously has experienced that, but to come on a game against Man United at home, all your own fans, you've literally come on just to kick the ball once. <laughs> I don't think there's a, a higher pressure you could put under a player who, not only has he just come on that game, how many minutes has he played this season? It can't be many. Um, he hasn't really been involved, has he? So. Oh, like, I mean, and now, to, to the couple of us I had in the car, I praise David Moyes to the moon, and I think we all have in this podcast, Dave, how he's just, he's almost found himself again after, you know, the, the turbulent, turbulent career he's had since leaving Everton, really, you know, the man the, the Sunderland, you know, he's, <laughs> he's been through the mill. He's found himself back at, really at home at West Ham, you know, he's, he's, we, we can't praise them enough at how well they've been. I think we've all predicted them quite high finishes. Um, and I, I still think well, I don't think are losing to Man United, but this is a it's an awful, awful. And I, now I, I don't know who would take it, but there had to have been a player on that park when that penalty was given that wanted that penalty. Well, Declan Rice had the ball, and I'm sure he's he's taken a penalty and scored it before for them. Um, and obviously, Noble came on and he was given the ball, so I can only assume Rice would have taken it. But um, who knows? I just find it very, very strange. Um, what I would say is that last season we were very critical of Moyes of when he came to playing against the bigger teams he sort of yeah went into a shell a bit and West Ham didn't turn up but that wasn't the case today at all I thought they were brilliant um, pretty much you know I looked at West Ham playing and thought you know they they look established here they look like a top six or seven team you know they they gave as good as they got for the most part um, but unfortunately missed their chance. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I'm not sure who's next for, for either club. Um. So West Ham are off to Leeds, which, I mean, Antonio's been back from suspension, and if I'm Leeds as makeshift sure centre-halves, I'm pulling yeah. a hammy in, in, in training this week because that's <laughs> not going to be fun. Um, uh, whereas Man United are at home to Aston Villa. So. Well, that could be, that could be tasty. It's good, yeah. Simon might miss for another reason if it doesn't <laughs> <laughs> in that game. Um Right, last up for the for the weekend then, Dave, was the... For me, this result was inevitable. I didn't think Chelsea would score three, um, but I thought this was always going to be a, a fairly comfortable game for Chelsea. They look, they just look so formidable. You, you struggle to see them losing a game this season at the moment, Dave. Yeah, the world's first carbon zero football match, whatever the hell it was. <laughs> um, Tottenham played very well for the first half. Um, I thought, hang on a minute, they're really onto something here. Um, and then Tuchel made one slight change at half time, and Tottenham barely had a kick thereafter. <laughs> it was possibly the most one-sided half of Premier League football I've seen for an awful long time. Like it could have been, it could have been eight or nine, and you would have said, "Well, that's fair." <laughs> if um, you know, if, if Werner could finish, or if Lukaku would have had a slightly better day, Chelsea could have been, you know. They could have had as many as they wanted to. They were excellent in the second half. Did you say that they when we, we all tipped them to win the league? No, you didn't, but me and Si did, I think. Um, yeah. I've seen nothing so far to suggest they won't. 
Um, the next game is against Manchester City, which will tell us an awful lot about how good or how not good either team is, I think. I think it's a, it's a nice time this season to have that game because both teams can argue that they're up to speed, that you know they've got full, full stunt squads available pretty much. Um, there's no Champions League late enough to it. It's Carabao Cup this week, so neither of them have that excuse. It's just no. purely the two teams who I hope will slug it out and go toe-to-toe rather than it being a tentative kind of Mourinho-esque match, but I don't think it will be. No, I think it should be. I, I, I think Chelsea might find it more comfortable than, than a lot of games they'll play this season. They're just uh, having watched the, the highlights of City and even just in general this season, I think they do look a bit toothless, but the one thing I'll say about this game is Spurs have to be really disappointed with conceding from a Thiago Silva header. Like, Silva's like five foot six. Um, and obviously then Golo Kante, who maybe scored ten goals in five seasons. Uh, well, very much like we've seen the odds on Chelsea to win 3-0 and the goal scorers to be Silva, Kante <laughs> and Rudiger. <laughs> like, they must have probably less than 20, uh, 20 goals Combined. Between them, certainly during the Chelsea years. I don't know if Silva got a few in France or whatever, but uh, no, I mean, I think you look at the, the, the teams and as Spurs had a plan, which was let's sort of draw Chelsea out and then get, get Sun in against the, the pace or lack thereof at the back. Um, they had a couple of really good chances in that first half, which they just didn't take. Um, as soon as Chelsea figured out you know, how to stop that. Um, firstly, Spurs barely had another chance, that I can remember, in the second half. Um, but also, Chelsea were just able to play through Tottenham at will. And I know the goals came from unusual sources, but um, if they needed to score proper goals, they would have done. I think, um, I mean, you know, Werner's a lunatic all of a sudden. You know, couldn't could miss in Germany, can't score in England for some reason. Um, but even like Kovacic, he he looks like another player who's been reborn. Yeah. Alonso, Alonso looks like an absolute peak Cafu-esque fullback. He's just absolutely unstoppable down that side at the minute. Um, we know he can't defend, but he doesn't need to. <laughs> he spends most of his game going forward, and if he you know if he needs help, he's got Kande, he's got Kovacic, he's got Jorginho. Um, that's probably two shells. Great achievement, he's, he's, you know. Jorginho looks every bit as good as he was meant to be. Yeah, the reputation's now kind of caught up, isn't he? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they've just got loads of options. Um, they've got a striker in Lukaku who terrifies the life out of people. I know he didn't score today, but you can see when he gets the ball, Spurs are backpedaling like mad. They're thinking, oh, great, you know, is he going to go past us? Is he just going to run straight through us? Um, he's the, I think. You know the, the last piece of that jigsaw. Um, they're pretty scary, to be honest, Ali. Like uh, as, I agree with you. Like, I kind of see who's gonna who's gonna stop them. Um, I'm very curious to see how Man City get on because they've realistically got as good a chance as anybody of doing it. But I'm not, I don't know. I, I said a few weeks ago, like if they hadn't got the red card against yourselves, I don't think they'd have, they'd have drawn or lost that game. Um, but they did, and I suppose that's that's what you've got to hang on to is that they're not infallible. Yeah, no, 100%. I think it's um, massive for the top of the table as well. Obviously, Liverpool have got Brentford, which is quite winnable. Obviously, very winnable, realistically. And then, obviously, that City-Chelsea game. Um, some drop points for Chelsea there um, would be would be lovely. Um, well, I'll tell you what, if Man City lose to Chelsea next weekend, they 
are off to yourselves the week after. Oh. And, and they could lose that as well. With your with your record at Anfield, um, lockdown football notwithstanding, um, Man City dropping six points in two weeks plus the two they dropped yesterday. All of a sudden, they could, they could be nine points off the pace. Just yeah, um, and I, I know they were quite far back last season by obviously the December mark, but it's not just one team this season. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's that this as you've been saying, like we both said it there, that Chelsea team are that. They're almost a steam train that are just, you know, they're not they're not doing what Liverpool and, and City did, and they were steamrolling teams for you know week in week out and looking really really good and you know, you, but they're just if like effectiveness was you know yeah. measurable. Yeah, that's it. That's they're, it. Scale, aren't they? they're just they're goals from everywhere. They don't concede a lot, and and we're saying this in a way as I say, like Thiago Silva doesn't start for many of the best teams in the world anymore. But he fits into that system just so well, especially with Canty, who's just been phenomenal his career in England. Uh, as you say, Jorginho has now become the player that we were told was coming from Napoli originally. Uh, Kovacic is, again, he's just that lease of life, as you say. Uh, Alonso, we've all known he was good offensively. Now he's playing in a system where he can be that forward. You know, it's like we see, I, I, I believe, obviously, Trent's, this inability to defend is very, you know, exaggerated. But he doesn't need to. That's it's not what he's. It's almost not what his role is. You know, with the goals and assists that he that he brings. Oh, yeah. he, has, he has his own position. Like he's, he's a right back in them only. Like, yeah. like, like traditionally, but really, like he's not a right back, is he? But anyway, it's probably a chapter for another day. But um, I totally take your point in that Alonso is. Just very, very, very effective. Like he, he was looking to get a, get a couple of goals himself today from from the penalty area. Like not like he was just like you know hanging around the edge of the box. He, he pretty much plays plays a centre forward sometimes. He's very good at arriving late in that back post as well. He, he, I, I, I seem to remember was it, was it yesterday's or today's game? Sorry, he hit like a like he kind of lunged in at a volley. And the back post keeper made a really good save. Was that today's game? It, it might. This could have been any game. <laughs> he, he does it a lot. You're right. Um, <laughs> Louis seemed seemed extremely busy today. I couldn't keep up with all the saves he was making towards the end. It was uh, it was continuous. Um, what I mean, we'll we'll briefly talk on Tottenham because we we have kind of brushed over here. But this is another game where Harry Kane was anonymous, Dave, like in, in the big games. Now I know Chelsea obviously are a different animal, but this is meant to be the the best number nine in the league and one of the best number nines in the world. I, I mean, you know my thoughts on him. Yours is almost the opposite of mine, but it has to be a concern for Tottenham because he's not really turned up this season yet. Yeah, I mean, traditionally he's always been a slow starter. I know last year was the exception, um, yeah. but usually he has been a slow starter. This time hasn't been helped by not having a pre-season. Um, but he and Tottenham look, Tottenham look worse with him in the team. You know, they won their first three games without him playing. Um, or at least the first two games, I think it was, sorry. But still, they don't look anywhere near as good. Um, and they don't even know how to play him. Like today, he played very deep. Um, it's probably not helped that he's got Deli Ali playing on the wing ahead of him. Like He just looks a fish out of water completely at the minute. Um, he was missing his buddy Son last week. Son is Tottenham's happy, really, isn't he? Like, I know Kane take all the plaudits, but Son, I think Son makes Kane a better player. Yeah, um, comfortably. 
Yeah. So with Kane, is he Sulgan? Probably not. He, you know, he, he's got enough skin in the game to want Tottenham to do well, regardless of him. You know, and his personal views. Um, fundamentally, Tottenham have scored three goals in five games, and yes, they've won three games one nil. But you look at us in eighteenth, we've scored six goals. <laughs> you know, it's a it's a problem they're going to have to address. I don't think Nuno and the way he sets up is an ideal fit for for that that Tottenham squad. Um, the Wolves team he had never really, you know, scored loads of goals. They were they were very measured and. The goals came from consistent sources, which was Jimenez and previously Doherty before he left. Um, and you'd add in the odd, you know, Neves free kick or, you know, there was always like one player who was in form, whether it be Jota, whether it be Jimenez or. It was never all of them. It was very rarely all of them, as you say. So with Tottenham, Kane's always been a go to man for, what, the last 10 years, 9 years, whatever it's been since he broke through. There's never really been a. Time where he hasn't scored, he's had runs of three or four games where he hasn't scored. But um, I've never seen him be this ineffective, to be honest. I know you don't rate him particularly, but even you must admit, you've rarely seen him be this out of the game, if you like. Yeah, I mean, I've always said Harry Kane makes even when Spurs were at their best as such. You know, when they were in, they were flirting with Champions League, sort of. I always said Harry Kane actually made them worse. I always thought they were better playing wise without him. But he was just he was effective in his goals. I always believed it was he, he does have a lot of shots, but I thought they played better football. But just now they have neither. You know, they're not making Kane the focal point and they're not really creating chances and they're almost now it's it's almost they've went the complete opposite. That it's like they're they're completely stifling Kane and making at least even his forward play look look awful. Whereas before at least he was he was always a threat, and I just don't think the way Spurs are set up, or they have, I mean, I know it's quite hard to judge off the two games he's played, or two and a half, I think he came off the bench in the third game, didn't he? Um, I, don't, I just don't think under this system, defenders are like, oh, that's Harry Kane, we should be worried. And that's that's very detrimental, and um, that's going to be, because at least before it was, oh, Harry Kane, if he gets a chance, he'll score, we best mark him, which then creates space for other people. Where it's now, they're like, oh, right, okay, let's just, um, well, if Sun doesn't do anything, nobody else is going to create the chance. Was <laughs> um, it? I mean, I mean uh, what was happening last season was he was dropping deep and then the defenders were going with him and then all of a sudden, you know, Son had space in behind to, to exploit. Yeah. He's so deep now, he's been dealt with by the midfielders. And yeah, it, just, it just means the centre-half's having a nice, quiet day. <laughs> yeah. Um, and a, and, a, and a game like, I mean, in fairness to Kane, not in fairness to Kane, in, in detriment to him, really, but he really turns up in the big games. Um, against the, I mean, he turns up against Arsenal, but we, we, I think everybody listening knows what we think of Arsenal. <laughs> I, I just thought Chelsea just, there's no way, like, like players like, even Rudiger, Christensen, and, and Silva, and the experience that Silva's got was going to look at that game and think, you know what, we should be worried here. <laughs> because, yeah, just, no, I just, I don't know. I don't think Nuno's the man, like, they, they actively didn't want Nuno. <laughs> at the start of I know, the, I mean, that's got to play on his mind at some point, isn't it? Like, he must have been the fifth or sixth choice, really. Like, he was available, he was available the whole time, and they were like, well, you know, we went through 
various different managers who they wanted to appoint. And eventually, they were like, well, I suppose if no one else is available, we'll Never have mind. you, no, no. That has to play on the players' mind as well. They must be like, well, wait a minute here. <laughs> like, why are we listening to him when we know he's going to be gone? And You know, I mean, not that Spurs are really trigger-happy when it comes to, like, firing managers. Like, they are quite... Really, they're just tight. They don't want to pay the, the severance. Well, let's not pretend they're loyal. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, especially somebody like Kane. Let's 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 take my thoughts on Kane aside. And I mean, he is obviously well well renowned and sought after forward. He must be looking like, well, why why should we buy into him? I can his. Other teams' opinion on him is never going to change. Harry Kane, he's still going to score enough goals to keep himself. You know, he's still going to be England's captain, England's number nine. Um, that's not really under threat. There's no DA coming through. I can't think they would take it. You know, Bamford or Calvert Lewin. So as long as he keeps scoring goals at that level and gets, even if he drops down to, you know, 15 to 20 league goals um, for Spurs, it's still going to keep him in the window for that move that he wants. His only issue would be the age factor, whether a team wants to then gamble on... I think Harry Kane's 28, 29. I think that's what was talked about in the summer. So, are they want a 30-year-old number nine sort of thing next summer, summer after? If not, he's going to be there longer than any manager if he then decides to sign a new bigger contract at Spurs and see how it goes. Well, that's it. I mean, he's 28. Um, so... Let's be honest, he's probably, if he does move, it's going to be next summer. Um, I guess it's quite telling that Man City didn't get anybody else, so maybe they still had hopes of getting him in the future, but I agree with you completely that, you know, he's under no pressure at England level. He can start part playing for England when he plays against, you know, the majority of teams England play against in the qualifiers are, are not particularly of a, you know, the same standard as even you, you know, standard Premier League opposition. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can start party against them and look good for it. Um, I think it'd be daft to write him off. I think he's just going through a bit of a spell for the reasons I mentioned before, where he hasn't hasn't really played that much yet. Um, we might, we probably will see more of him as the season goes on, surely because he's a proven goal scorer. But he, I think, I think the problem is as much game as is Nuno because that system just doesn't work for Tottenham. And I spoke last week about the midfield three they had, which was Hoiberg, Skip, and uh, Harry Winks. Now, thankfully, it was Hoiberg today with Ndombele, who is you know, far more creative than those two. Um, but it's, it still didn't really work. So they need to find a way to play. Um, they don't really have a an out-and-out number ten type. Um, because he would be looking to play almost Kane and Son as, as forwards and have a and have a number ten in between them. Um, whether that can be Deli Ali or not, I don't know. But he as he doesn't seem to be with it anywhere near the level he was at a few years ago. So they've got a lot to sort out. Um, they are a team in transition, so I suppose we give them a little bit of a little bit of credit to for that. But for now, they're they're a million miles off finishing the top four. Yeah, um, I don't think that I'll even. Come into question this season at all. Um, I think that wraps up the games, then, Dave. Any anything else you can think of over the weekend that's worth that's worth mentioning? 
Um, no, I think we've covered a lot of the Premier League stuff there. If you uh, are out of loose end, check out Henry Lansbury's um, yellow card offence for Nottingham Forest against... I think it was... Uh, was it Nottingham Forest? I can't remember really one now, but anyway, have a look for it. He, um, Isn't it? Is that, sorry, mate? Is that against Luton? I think he might have moved to, to Swansea. It must be if it was against Luton or vice versa, but... Well, anyway... You know, he plays for somebody now and he just kicks, kicks someone up a height. It was quite quite amusing when he got booked for it. Uh, yeah, only a yellow card. Yeah, it might be the most disgraceful decision I've actually seen. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's worse than David Moyes bringing on Mark Novo to take a penalty. <laughs> <laughs> that was atrocious. Um, I can't yeah. believe that. I'm so glad you brought that up. I totally forgot about that. Well, I think the argument is he was, the guy was going to take a quick free kick and the dude kicks the ball away so Lansby just keeps going through with his, with his kick and just takes him out. But that just don't think his reactions are that slow, surely. No, <laughs> absolutely not. That's a, that is that is basically a full on punt for anybody who hasn't seen it. He's um yeah, yeah. Might actually find that and we'll share that on the Manor Post page. Um well that brings us to the end, Dave. Thank you very much as always for joining. Um, oh, thank you. Let everybody know where they can find all your stuff. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at CM9798 and you can find the blog uh, at cm9798.co.uk uh, or on Thursday night you can join me on Twitch with Tony Jameson for Thursday night fantasy football talking about all things FPL. Yeah, and after my couple of weekends with fantasy football I might have to start tuning in and watching because <laughs> I'm awful this season. Um, you can find us at Man in the Post on all your social media platforms. Chris and the gang, uh, we're out with extra time, which I hope you've listened to by now, reviewing the games, uh, previewing the games that we've just discussed. We will be back on Friday again to discuss the EF, the League Cup, and obviously previewing next weekend's fixtures. We will be back next weekend. As always, hopefully Simon gets out of his um, sickbed. To um, try and make amends in the in the quiz. I feel if he loses the quiz next week, even when he comes back, we may have to just sack him off the show. Dave, uh, <laughs> the type of behaviour is unacceptable. Um, but yeah, thank you very much, Dave, for for turning up for work. <laughs> Thanks, <Eddie. laughs> Thank you at home for listening, and always remember, keep your man in the post. 